Shalom and welcome. I'm Shoshana, a.k.a. Zipporah Eish, which simply means firebird in Hebrew. I love studying God's Torah. It's like fire. Um, I love reading it. I love hearing it. I can't get enough of it. Anyway, King Solomon's proverb in chapter 3, verses 5 through 8, tells us that the wisdom of Torah, which is the soul of God, written on scrolls of skin, gives strength to our bones. So let's begin with the blessing we speak before opening and studying God's word. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam Asher bacharbanu mikoch ha'amim Ve'natan lanu et torato Baruch atah Adonai Noten ha'torah Amen Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who has selected us from all the nations and gave us his Torah. Blessed are you, Adonai, giver of the Torah. Amen. As we continue our progress through the Beatitudes, keep in mind that Yeshua is calling his disciples to a deeper connection with God, the Father, and to himself as the living representative of the Father's heart. Today's podcast I've entitled, Gentle of Heart. Our focus verse is Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. How blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. The word blessed has several connotations. One of the Hebrew words for blessed is baruch, as you heard in the blessing. To help us get a better grasp of what Yeshua is saying, we should learn a little bit more about the word blessed. Strong's Concordance renders baruch as the Hebrew verb barak means to kneel as seen in Genesis 24:11. <clears throat> However, when written <clears throat> in the PL form, it means to show respect as seen in Genesis 12:2. A related Hebrew word is beracha or beracha, as some have probably heard it said, meaning a gift or a present. From this, we can see the concrete meaning behind the PL form of the verb barak. It is to bring a gift to another while kneeling out of respect. The extended meaning of this word is to do or give something of value to another. Elohim, quote-unquote, respects us by providing for our needs, and we, in turn, quote-unquote, respect him by giving him ourselves as his servants. Strong's word number 1288. The Hebrew general meaning is the act or words of a person who blesses a special favor, mercy, or benefit, i.e. the blessings of liberty, a favor or gift bestowed by God, thereby bringing happiness, the invoking of God's favor upon a person. So as we can see, there is depth to what Yeshua was relating in his teaching point. Let's look now at the word meek. Webster's Collegiate says of meek, number one, enduring injury with patience and without resentment. Number two, deficient in spirit and courage, i.e. not violent or strong. There are four words in the Hebrew for meek. A naive, which means humble, modest, and meek. Zanua is modest, humble, chaste, lowly, neat, and meek. 
Vaterani means yielding, indulgent, lenient, meek, complacent. And for Shafal, which means low, vile, low down, shabby, humble, meek. The second word is a familiar word within the Jewish communities, Tzanua, meaning modest, humble, chaste, lowly, neat, or meek. This word is the standard by which the Torah observant communities live. We can see that the first word, anaiv, and zanua share a commonality. When we look at the first two points, blessed are the poor and blessed are those who mourn, it makes sense in this humbling process that what Yeshua is highlighting is a people who are humble, repentant, modest, and meek. This list will grow as we look at each of the verses in this passage. His purpose in these verses is that we come to understand that living for him is not static. He fulfilled his purpose for coming, and now it is our turn to fulfill our purpose for living, and it is not, so we can keep living like the world in our speech, actions, and dress, because none of those things are modest or humble in their presentation. Let's take a look at some verses in the first half of the Bible that are a foundation for the spiritual concepts Yeshua is bringing forth to his disciples. <clears throat> Yeshua borrows from Psalm 37, verse 11, But the meek will inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. The Hebrew word used in this verse is the word anaiv. Further down in this chapter, in verse 22, David further says, for those blessed by him will inherit the land, but those cursed by him will be cut off. Verse 29 says, The righteous will inherit the land and live in it forever. Verse 34 says, Put your hope in Adonai. Keep to his ways, and he will raise you up to inherit the land. The whole chapter, however, has much more nourishment if pondered on. If you want to search the Hebrew meaning of any of the words in this chapter or any other, simply Google Hebrew for whichever word you're looking up. When we look seriously at these verses, King David is making the point that only those that live humbly, modestly, or meekly will have any chance of fulfilling, fully inheriting the promises of provision and protection. Yeshua didn't give his life just so we could act like spoiled children who never do what their parents tell them to do. This is very serious. We will not be meek the way God wants us to be if we do not train our souls to be submissive to God's Torah instructions. We are nothing but ashes compared to God's holiness, but He makes a way where we can access His presence anytime we need Him, and that will only happen when we are children who do what His instructions tell us to do. The real connection with God is through obedience, just like when your children do what you tell them to do, and do it without complaining, simply because they love you. Yeshua in John chapter 15 tells us that the only way to abide in Him is through obeying His Father's commands found in God's Torah. If God's Torah is not seated deeply down in our souls, we will always struggle with selfishness and pride. A meek person does not demand his or her own way. If a person struggles with anger issues, it's because they are ruled by pride. Pride is the opposite of humble or meek. Pride brings disaster every time in some way or another, and God uses that disaster as a teaching aid. 
because God disciplines those he loves. On a side note, I read a lesson about legalism and how Jesus hates legalism. And all through the lesson, it made Yeshua look like he was angry all the time at the religious leaders. This lesson totally missed the point of Yeshua's true actions being loving kindness towards the leaders by calling their actions to count. If he had really hated them, he would not have bothered about them. It is God's kindness, after all, that leads us to repentance. As I read through the whole of chapter 37, I realized that this was a compilation of Proverbs. Not the book of Proverbs, but a compilation of Proverbs. The whole attitude of chapter 37 is one of meekness and surrender. Yeshua encapsulated the whole chapter in one phrase. How blessed are the meek. For they will inherit the earth or the land. This is so contrary to the view the world expresses towards success. We all know someone who got to the top of the success ladder by walking all over others as they climbed up each rung. We see a very good example of this right now in the political systems of the Western world. Yet, in God's kingdom, just the opposite is what success looks like. Meekness is one of the attributes or fruit of the Spirit, and by default, an attribute of God's character. As recorded in Rabbi Shaul's letter to the Galatian congregation, chapter 5, verses 13 to 26, we read, Brothers and sisters, you were called to freedom from the kingdom of darkness, not from Torah. That was the side note, sorry. Only do not let your freedom become an opportunity for the nefesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole Torah can be summed up in a single saying, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not destroyed by one another. But I say, walk by the Ruach, and you will not carry out the desires of the Nefesh. For the Nefesh sets its desire against the Ruach, but the Ruach sets its desire against the Nefesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that your Neshama cannot do what it wants. But if you are led by the Ruach, you are not under the law of the Nefesh. Now the deeds of the nefesh are clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, indecency, adultery, witchcraft, which is idolatry, hostility, strife, jealousy, rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, feuding, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I am warning you, just as I warned you before, that those who live a lifestyle of such things will not inherit God's kingdom. But the fruit of the Ruach is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things as this, there is no judgment or ruling. Now, those who belong to Messiah have crucified the Nefesh, their animalistic soul, with its passions and desires, so that they no longer rule you. If we live by the Ruach, let us also live a lifestyle in accordance to the Ruach, the spirit of Torah. Let us not become conceited, thus provoking one another, envying one another. 
We can see by Rabbi Shaul's words that God expects much from us if we want to inherit the land. A truthful study of the fruits of the flesh listed above from the Hebrew words will really open one's eyes to just how destructive those attributes are on our eternal neshama soul, if left unchecked. We have jails full of people that have let the nefesh, the animalistic soul, rule their bodies, and many are racked with guilt and regret, but are caught in the web of lies from the kingdom of darkness and can't see the light that would set them free. But to keep on topic and culturally correct, we know that Yeshua is referring directly to the land of Israel, as it says in Psalms 37, 11, and we can't spiritualize this to mean heaven. Everything we read has to be kept in cultural and historical context. Yeshua was talking to his Jewish disciples while they were living in Israel under the rule of Rome. Israel's greatest desire was to live in freedom within their land of promise, so it seems that Yeshua was appealing to their sense of nationhood to get his point across. As adopted children of God through the redemption purchased at Passover, this means that Israel is your promised land also. So are you yearning to inherit that same promised land? According to Yeshua, it is going to take humility, contriteness, and meekness to position ourselves to inherit it when Yeshua comes as king. And believe me when I say, Yeshua will establish his kingdom in Israel when he returns, and only the righteous will be able to come and go from his throne room. Revelation 21, 22 through 27 gives us a brief picture. I saw no temple in the city of Jerusalem, for Adonai, God's God of heaven's armies, is its temple, as is the Lamb. The city has no need for the sun or the moon to shine on it, because God's Shekinah, or Shekinah, gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. Its gates will never close. They stay open all day because night will not exist there, and the honor and splendor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure may enter it, nor anyone who does shameful things or lies. The only ones who may enter are those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. As we continue to explore what is required to inherit the land, we must understand that only people who are humbled of spirit can reflect an attitude of meekness. It is an ultimate expression of complete surrender to God's plan and purpose. <clears throat> King David mentions many times in his songs that God is a tower of refuge and the righteous can run into it and they are saved. His context, of course, is those who are walking compliant to Torah. So that high tower metaphorically implies a place of surrender and submit to God's instructions, seeing them as words of life and eternal deliverance. Being meek does not mean one has no opinion. It does mean that one doesn't always have to be the only one that is right in any given matter. <clears throat> Meekness reveals that one is confident in who they are without being arrogant and easily angered. <clears throat> So what are some of the things that we do that would change if we were truly walking in meekness? <clears throat> How about road rage? <clears throat> what about evil speech about others? 
What about always having to speak our mind? How about anger when things are not going our way? Each one of us knows what the Holy Spirit is revealing to each of us individually. Right now, as of the recording of this podcast, God's people are on a journey of purifying our nefesh by dealing with issues that cause us to sin to ultimately break God's Torah instructions. Each day, we are focusing on an attribute that needs to be brought back into alignment with God's holy ways. We are preparing for that great day, that day Yeshua promised He would pour out His Spirit on those who have spent the previous 49 days soul-searching, making sure our hearts are ready to receive that greater revelation of the power and the working of the Holy Spirit. God is so good to us. He gives us holy days throughout the years so that we can continually reconnect with Him when we fall short in our zeal to obey His commands, and Shavuot, also called Pentecost, is just one of His holy days. If life has become stressful, full of turmoil, chances are we're trying to manage our struggles through the weakness of our human wisdom. This lifestyle creates so much sin and regret. God will let us carry on struggling in our own wisdom, but He really wants us to admit that doing it our own way is not working. Only He can give us the sense of peace that comes when we fully trust that He is in control. So peace, or shalom, is the absence of the weight of chaos, and this enables us to conduct our way, behaving unassumingly and meekly instead of demanding our own way or trampling over another to get to the top. Here are several more scriptures for comparison. Isaiah 29 verses 19 and 20 say, The meek will add to their joy in Adonai, and the needy of humanity will rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. For the ruthless will come to an end, and the scorner will be finished, and all watching to do evil will be cut off. It says, The meek will add to their joy in the Lord. The meek will add to their joy in the Lord. The meek have no need of worry because they truly believe that God has their best interests at heart. If bad things happen, they don't blame others. They start searching their hearts to see if there is any wicked disregard of God's Torah in them that is causing their trial, and then they repent and carry on being more focused to walk in God's holy ways. God allows these tests because He wants us to acknowledge that we need to overcome our rebellious, self-serving nature if we want peace. Another, Zephaniah chapter 2, verse 3, and chapter 3, verse 12. Before I read the scripture, I suggest that uh, if you haven't read the book of Zephaniah before, uh, it, it's a critical, critical book. Not only does it reveal God's judgments, it also reveals His loving kindness. So two, va- two verses that I have picked out of Zephaniah to support Um, this meekness um, is uh, chapter 2 verse 3 says seek Adonai all you humble of the land who have executed his judgment seek righteousness seek meekness perhaps you will be hidden on the day of Adonai's wrath and then chapter 3 verse 12 but I will leave among you a people meek and humble they will take refuge in the name of Adonai So what is righteousness? 
Our best example of what or who is righteous is God himself. Everything recorded in the Torah, the prophets, and the historical books reveal the character of God. We see in Exodus chapter 33, verses 17 through 23, and chapter 34, verses 5 and 7, just what God calls righteousness. Adonai said to Moshe, I will also do what you have asked me to do, because you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. But Moshe said, I beg you to show me your glory. Adonai replied, I will cause all of my goodness to pass before you, and in your presence I will pronounce the name of Adonai. Moreover, I show favor to whomever I will, and I display mercy to whomever I will. But my face, he continues, you cannot see, because a human being cannot look at me and remain alive. Here, he said, is a place near me. Stand on the rock, and when my glory slash goodness passes by, I will put you inside a pierced place in the rock, and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face is not to be seen. Adonai descended in the cloud. And this is uh, chapter 34, verses 5 through 7. Adonai descended in the cloud, stood with him there and pronounced the name of Adonai. Adonai passed before him and proclaimed, yud Hey and vav Hey, Adonai, is good is God, merciful and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in grace and truth, showing grace to the thousandth generation, forgiving offenses, crimes, and Torah breakings, yet not exonerating the guilty, but causing the negative effects of the parents' offenses to be experienced by their children and grandchildren, and even by the third and fourth generation. Please keep in mind that God is talking to Moshe and they are talking with regards to the life of the children of Israel. Yeshua tells the young rich man that there is only one who is good and that is the Father in heaven. And today, no one knows absolutely how to pronounce the four-letter name of God. So we don't even try as we don't want to insult him by saying it wrong. The high priest, Yeshua, will tell us soon enough. So what does God see as righteousness? One who is merciful, compassionate, slow to anger, rich in grace and truth. How often have we been guilty of withholding mercy when we could have given it to someone who asked for forgiveness? How often have we turned a blind eye to someone who was in need because we judge them as deserving of their troubles, because we think they made poor choices? How often have we responded in anger because we didn't get our own way, or because someone called out our behavior and now we are embarrassed, and anger is a cover for it? Have we given grace to someone simply because we so often need grace from God? Do we hold ourselves to the same measure of God's absolute truth that we hold others to? In John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, The Word became a human being and lived with us, and we saw His Shekinah, or Shekinah, 
the Shekinah of the Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. Here we see a tieback to God being revealed as full of grace and truth, because truth is the Torah, the heart of God revealed, written down on skin, and come to life in Yeshua. Yeshua tells us in Matthew 7, 1, that we will receive measure for measure, whether for good or for evil, when we stand in the courtroom of God and give an account of our lives. In Psalms 25, verses 9 and 10, it says, He guides the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All of Adonai's ways are loving kindness and truth to those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. His testimonies are his word, the Torah. Only those who humble themselves will be given the ability to understand the deep truths of God's Torah. Only those who follow the Torah will see the depth of God's true loving kindness. We only see the surface of God's kindness because we still struggle with the nefesh that desires self-satisfaction. Isn't it time to make a renewed effort to study God's Torah and start doing what it says? Every time we give in to a temptation, we are surrendering our authority to the kingdom of darkness, and we will stay powerless until we stop making excuses for ourselves and start doing God's word. Are we doers or only hearers of God's will? Proverbs 29 verse 23 says, A man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will gain honor. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will exalt you. Brothers, stop speaking against each other. Whoever speaks against a brother or judges a brother is speaking against Torah and judging the Torah. And if you judge the Torah, God's very words, you are not a doer of what Torah says, but a judge. There is but one giver of God's words. He is also the judge, with the power to deliver and to destroy. Who do you think you are judging your fellow human being? That was from James, Yeshua's brother. In his, his letter, uh, chapter 4, verses 10 through 12. Kepha, also known as Peter, is talking with the congregation leaders in the synagogues in the diaspora. He warns them not to get caught up in lording it over the people. He tells them, Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. 1 Peter 5, 6. As I wrap this up, Matthew 5, 5, as I understand it to read, after reviewing the above verses, it says to me, How blessed are the gentle and the unassuming, servant-like, for they will inherit the land. Yes, our human animalistic nature tries to rise up in defense of our rights, but Yeshua told us to take up our execution stake and follow in his footsteps. The King of Kings walked meekly and dealt gently with the wounded. Can we do no less? Yeshua looked past the faults and failings in people to see the brokenness of hearts, and he loved them. Beatitude number three then shows a progression toward becoming more like Yeshua. May God's grace strengthen your resolve to become more like Yeshua in your daily walk. Abba, God of Israel, our Father and our King, look upon us and see our needs. You know our frame, that we are but dust. 
We have no room to walk arrogantly when we truly see what we are in comparison to your holiness. Abba, remember us for mercy and draw us to yourself with kindness. Lead us like a shepherd in patience, for we do stray so easily and we place our own selves in danger of destruction. Abba, finish the work you have started, no matter how painful, so that we will be able to see you face to face and be ushered into your glorious new Yerushalayim when it comes for the merit of Yeshua's glorious name. Let us finish with the blessing. Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, asher natam lanu Torah emet, vechaye olam nata betochenu. Baruch atah Adonai, noten haTorah. Amen. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who gave us the Torah of truth, and implanted eternal life within us. Blessed are you, Adonai, giver of the Torah. May our Lord bless you for listening to the end, and I pray that your heart has been stirred to seek his face earnestly and feast on God's eternal Torah as King David did. If you don't know where to start on this journey of sanctification, you can start by watching the live stream feed of Sar Shalom Synagogue every Saturday morning at 10.30 a.m., Central Standard Time. Or you can watch many of the past uh, teachings on YouTube. I suggest starting with the messages from October 2016. These messages start with Genesis, which is the best place to start if you want to see how Yeshua fits within the whole of the Bible narrative. Shalom. <laughs>